Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. You know, and the the best thing, you know, I, I guess I'll just, we can just jump into this while uh, I can tell you and I are just going to get along talking just fine, so we don't need to, but... Uh, the best thing about this podcast has been um, that I I really don't ca- you, you know what's ironic is like I really don't care if people listen to it um, and I don't I don't mean that in any other way than just um, I'm I really just do this for me you know and maybe you have sure. something like that in your life but it's like at the end of the day you know if I had two downloads I would be okay with that because. Um, I can see the value that I'm getting out of it. I can see the relationships that I'm building with people, um, and I love it. And so for me, it's like, um, you know, I, 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 I can't say that I would do this forever um, because, you know, there is a little bit of cost involved. I mean, I pay, I pay an editor, you know, not very much, yeah. but I pay an editor. And so it, it cost me a little bit of money. If it never made me a dime, I would probably stop doing sure. it after five years or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's purely selfish, man. Purely selfish, but yeah, but those, but some of those things are important as people. You know what I mean? To be able to like, if you have a passion at something and you start going, and I mean, in my life, the things I found that 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 I pursued without worrying about money, but they were my passion. Those are the things that I've ended up making the most money doing, which is kind of crazy, yeah. and not right off the bat, but definitely over time. And the just like in this fitness industry, this long before there was, you know, social media or even even hunting for me, the fitness and being a bodybuilder or whatever I am, you know, and this was just, it was a passion of mine ever since I was a kid. And so just pursuing it and doing something that you love and something that you have fun at and then be, having an opportunity to, to maybe make money at it or to, to, you know, grow your business or whatever it is, just grow as a person. I think that's just awesome. And any, anything you can do with that is worth doing for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's evident with you. I mean, people see it right off that, you know, you're not just, um, you know, well, let, let me, so I, I'm on the line. This is, I, be, I better stick to my uh, etiquette here. I'm on the line. This is episode 36 of the Finding Backcountry podcast. And if you haven't uh, been able to tell already, I'm on the line with um, the the famous Nick the Trainer dude. and uh, <laughs> the, the famous Nick the Trainer dude. <laughs> hey, in my, in my world you are, man. I'm I'm one of those hopeless, um, you know, gym, gym rats that, yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of on again, off again. I lifted in sure. high school and college. And so like guys like you, I'm just like, man, like, <laughs> how do I yeah, figure it? How do I figure it out? You know, and just, how do it. I figure it out? Right. Yeah. That's all. But yeah, man. So, you know, we, we're, we're already jumped into it and I, I pushed record, um, you know, a few minutes ago because I could tell like, you know, some, some guests I, I get on and I, I want to clear like, okay, like we're good. Like you understand what we're trying, but I could tell right off, like sure. we're just going to be able to chat and I love that. So yeah, he, just chat and kind of, and, and go about it. No, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Nick, the trainer, dude, how'd you, how'd you get that nickname? Was it just kind of natural? No, it actually, it's kind of a funny story. So I was uh, managing a gold's gym uh, here in town 10 years ago 
and uh, I went to another Gold's gym that my company owned to drop off some paperwork, and a guy was standing at the front desk, and I just asked him if he needed any help, and he said, well, I, I bought some personal training, and, and uh, I'm waiting for my trainer, and the individual who sold this guy training never showed up, and I was at a different gym. One I didn't work at. I just happened to be there dropping off paperwork, and I said, hey, well, I'll help you out, and I took him in the office, and I built him his meal plan, and he tells me, he said, hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a DJ on the radio, on a local radio show here, he said, why don't you come in tomorrow morning and, uh, and, and we'll get you on air and you can answer some fitness questions. And then I was, this is like 10 years ago, right? I'm just nervous. I'm sweating going up the elevator and to go, cause I'm going to be on the radio, right? It's like a big deal, but I'm just like, I'm super nervous, super sweaty. I get up and the very first caller, whoever called in on the radio, she called in and said, is that trainer dude available? when she called in and literally from that second and it was probably 10 11 years ago now um then my name was nick the trainer dude just like that just like it just literally happened in one day it was pretty awesome it changed my life for a lot of years i was kind of embarrassed of it i didn't because here locally like fifty thousand people hear me on the radio every week right <laughs> and so people would hear me out in public or talk to me and they hear my voice and they're like that's nick the trainer dude and i'm like it was just weird for me. Now it's been so many years and I'm just used to it. I love it. You know, it's the name of my business, you know, it's just what else to call it, a Nick, the trainer do, but it kind of just happened by fluke. It was just, I just was in the right place at the right time. And it just kind of, it just became my name and it's been, been with me for the last 10 years. It's pretty crazy. Well, that's, those are the best ones that just happen naturally, I think. And, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, going going into areas in life that you're passionate about and specifically business and uh you know it just it it's it fits you perfect you know you're nick the trainer dude and you live it and uh and you can tell that you're super yeah. passionate about it it's, it's not like you're just yeah and it's out it, to make it, a yeah, buck it, it, you know yeah but it's like that and it's uh we were talking you know like like you said we were talking about it when when you're passionate about something anything it doesn't matter what it is you're you're passionate about this podcast or you're passionate about being a professional knitter you know if you go do it and you and you're actually passionate about it and you and you work towards it every day something great is going to come out of it even even like you said even if it's just for yourself then just that self-worth and accomplishing and doing something that makes you happy at the end of the day you're still winning because you're moving in the right direction you know and that and that that to me is what it's all about in any anything we pursue in life no matter whether it's hunting or or you know, fitness or relationships with our kids or our wife or how whatever it is you're looking to do. If you're you go into it with that attitude, you're always going to come out on the other end ahead. So, do you do you see or do you think there's a a, a slight difference between um, individuals that are you know part of businesses or whatever that are willing to just put their name on things as opposed to ones that don't? You know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, e- even with our group, and the reason I'm asking is like, you know, we've got this this cliche team backcountry, and and we we love it, and it's who we are, and you know, it's we've yeah. thought about changing it, but I, I just wonder, like, you know, is there a difference between the guys who are just like, I'm Nick the trainer dude, or I'm Dustin the backcountry hunter, as opposed to like, you know, a, a different name? What what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think there is, and I think people are people are searching for that name, but I think having that brand and having something that you build from, I think is super important. And I think just sticking with it, I, you know, like I said, I didn't know that Nick, the trainer dude was going to turn into anything. I, it still shocks me. Even like you just a minute ago, you're like, Oh, it's the famous Nick, the trainer dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just a guy like raising a family. I got a messed up life. Like, I mean, I've had a messed up life and I've turned it into something, but I think 
it's having that name and just like you guys, you have something and you build off of that. And I don't think it's something that you need to focus on changing so much or trying to make you, it's something you guys created and you went with. And if you're passionate about that and you continue to believe in it, it's going to become something greater than you can even see right now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually agree that, you know, in the, in the long run, as long the the most important thing is your authenticity, you know, and people will see through that and that's, it's 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 more it's always more important than the name on on anything I think on, on anything yeah and they and they see that as you as a person you know and you as a, and you representing your company or whatever that may be and that and all around that that wins you know we can I can go and the guy down the street can call himself you know Jim the fitness dude mm-hmm. you know and I've had people do that like they're trying to replicate what I'm doing but I didn't make this happen it just kind of happened and I rolled with it and people just need to be themselves. Yeah. And the more you're true to whoever you are and whatever your values are, other people from all walks of life are going to see that in you. Because we all, as we get older, we know when someone's real or someone's fake. We can just tell by talking to them for five minutes. You know, and you're like, oh, this guy's he's struggling right now and he just needs some help. Or this guy, you know, he's in this situation and, and he, he's just full of crap. And a lot of times the more you can just be real and true to who you are and what your own beliefs are, the 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 benefits are going to come out of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you um, kind of backing up a little bit. I mean, you you uh, you're up in Oregon, and you've got what I would consider like a solid group of, you know, just core bow hunters around around you or kind of in your friend circle up there. Um, and and we can kind of talk about that. But um, yeah, for sure. I, I'm curious about just kind of the you know the two minute spiel of of kind of your and and I. You know, I know it's longer than that, obviously, and it's but your two minute spill of kind of how you got to that point or to the point you're at right now, just kind of growing up. Yeah, well, well it's funny because I, I grew up hunting. I grew up in Utah, and you know, my grandpa hunted, and they took me out hunting, and and uh, and and so hunting was always something that was a big part of my younger life. And then I moved up here when I was about 17, and I didn't really know anybody, and I had kind of a rough upbringing. I really pretty low poverty, you know, not a not a big friend circle or any, any of the people that I'm hanging around now is, was never even, a, and, you know, it's something that it was just imagined at some point in my life, right? And somewhere around like 22, 23 years old, I, I picked up actually Cam, a local um, store, his bow hunting trophy black tail, and I started reading this bow hunting book. Did you, on you, you said, uh, you, sorry, you literally cut out as you said camera. I assume you said Cam Haynes. <laughs> Oh, I, I did. I, someone keeps. I'm, I'm on my my work phone, and some phone keeps gotcha. calling in, and I'm not switching over. So sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. Um, I, I just wanted to it, clarify it, that because it, it literally yeah. sounded like I would have edited that out. And I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, someone keeps trying to call into my work phone, and it keeps vib- beeping in, and I'm not sure who it is. But gotcha. anyway, I was I was like 22 or 23 years old, just like everybody else before social media, and I I'm shopping with my family, and I see this book, and it says Bow Hunting Trophy Blacktail by Cameron Haynes, so I buy it. And I literally just start reading this book, and in the book it has the bow rack, and it has Wayne, and it has all these, and I don't know any of these people. I'm 22 years old. I have three kids. I'm working three jobs. I'm friggin' pretty much poor and homeless, right? I'm just this young guy. Like, I just, all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to go bow hunting. I want to hunt. I want to do this. So I read this book, and, and and I start driving by the bow rack and I'm like, I'm going to go into the bow rack. I'm going to go in the bow rack. And so one day I go into the bow rack and 
I got this bow from a pawn shop for like 80 bucks because that's all I could afford, right? And I'm embarrassed because there's the bow rack. It's in this Cam Haynes book. I still don't know these people. And and I just go in there and I start shooting. And one of the guys behind the counter, he's like, oh, here, let me help you with that. They were just super nice and awesome. And eventually I started shooting league in the bow rack. And, um, and then I eventually bought my first Hoyt from him, I think, in like 2004. And, and I just started kind of shooting league in the bow rack and I'd go down there on my, my days off. Like anybody goes to the archery shops and shoot. I still had never met Cam. I'm sorry. That dang phone's ringing again. That's funny. Never, every time you say, had, every time you say Cam's I, I say, name, say his name someone, this number calls in. I know. Um, and, and, and then at, at that point, you know, I'd never really met anybody. And then one day, like Wayne, who owns the bow rack, he comes up to me during bow league in 2004 and he offered me a job and he's like, Hey, I just, I love your attitude. I love how you're, you, you communicate with people and you're talking to people. And I would like to give you a job working here at the bow rack. And I'm, and at that point I was like repoing cars and merchandising beer and wine for a job. And I was training some people part time and I literally quit my job the next day. And I went to work at the bow rack and I started making arrows for Wayne and I spent about three years making arrows for Wayne, working there, talking to people, selling bows, started getting to know people in the hunting community, which I never knew, and kind of just started becoming friends with people. But it wasn't until 2011, and I went out and killed my first bull in the wilderness. And I had known Cam and hung out with him just at the bow rack and made his arrows. But I'd still just been reading his books, just a big fan like everybody else, right? Cam Haynes was like, he was my guy. I'm like, this guy's legit. I just want to be like him. I carry his book in the wood. Like it's going to give me some magic tip on killing a deer. Mm -hmm. And he got word that I killed a bull in the wilderness. And he showed up to my gym that I was managing and he brings me a t-shirt and he goes, man, I just want to congratulate you on killing that bull. And he gives me a, a t-shirt. And then I said, Hey, why don't we start working out? And he goes, you come run with me and I'll work out with you. And so I went and ran with him, and he made me do four one-mile repeats. And this was when I was not in shape to be a runner. I was You're like, like deals off, deals off. <laughs> yeah, done, done. He, he killed me, bro. It was horrible. It was the worst I've ever felt in my life. But then he started showing up, and literally Cam and I just clicked from that moment, and we started hanging out and working out together, and it just kind of became a, a thing. And then, and then over the years, I eventually started hunting with Wayne. And it's weird now because all these people I read about in this book – bow hunting trophy blacktail they're all my best friends now but at some point in my life these are people that i had no idea even existed until i read a book right and so it just it's kind of it all just kind of happened over time and now it's just odd that these people in this circle are or they're just they're my best friends but it wasn't like that in the beginning it just kind of molded into that over over a 10-year period that's an awesome story man it, it actually it, it's somewhat similar to, to my story. Um, obviously, I'm not, you know, on, I'm not local there and I'm not friends with those guys really on a personal level. But, um, man, growing up, you know, I, I grew up hunting, but we grew up hunting differently than I hunt now. You know, we would camp in a trailer um, at, a, at a certain spot every year and we would drive, yeah. drive trucks or four-wheelers. Um, you know, to the end of a road. And it, it was still what I would consider pretty hardcore. I mean, we got after it. Uh, my dad knew yeah. how to, you know, put boot tracks on. But I literally did not understand or know that guys backpack hunted. And yeah, no you know, idea. Yeah. I like I it, it, it sounds stupid. But until I was like, you know, a senior, junior in high school, or whatever, when I I picked up um, the backcountry bow hunting book about that time, I didn't even it, it just 
wasn't something yeah, that, that I understood. That, and so, all and, the, I, and I didn't think most people did either. Most yeah. people don't. Yeah. Yep. And so all of a sudden, this this whole world's opened up to me. Um, and you know, I start getting some gear and, you know, we, I had been on some like 50 mile hikes and stuff for scouts. And so I had some of the basic stuff and that's what I started with. Um, but yeah, it's crazy how just back then, like you didn't have, we didn't have social media, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit younger than you, but not much. Like yeah, you, you just, if you didn't stumble on it on a book or in a magazine, you know, it wasn't as readily, um, in your face, I guess, as, as it is now with social media, but. Yeah, no, that's... and 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 that's the whole thing. Like, if you didn't run across a book or you didn't know anybody, you didn't even know it exists, you know. And it's it's funny. I always talk to Cam about like I read his book, and and I'm like, you know, back in '96, Cam Haynes was still running, you know, Mount Pisgah on Christmas Eve, and he writes about it in one of his one of his books and some passage in there, and it made me laugh because I'm like, is this is back before, you know, anybody knew who Cam Haynes was, right? <laughs> and he was still just doing what he does now. And, and that's what it's funny talking about, like people that are passionate about what they do and the people that come the most successful are just the people that have just stayed true to who they are. And, and over that time, then you watch change happen and different things go down. And, and I didn't know, like I was a scout too. That's what, when I first heard about backcountry hunting, I was like, well, I've been on some long hikes and the scouts, I've done some backpacking, but I didn't know people actually backpack to go hunting. And my first couple of years in the wilderness trying to be a backpack hunter, they kicked my butt, man. I was like, I was not in shape to be no backcountry bow hunter, man. I, they were, cause I was a bodybuilder. That's all I did was lift weights and bodybuilding. And I wasn't in shape for that type of hunting. And I legitimately got my butt handed to me my first three years trying to go back into the wilderness and try this backcountry hunting. And it, it, and, and, it just, it literally made me change up the whole method in every way that I trained in my body, the way I train my clients, the way I train people, people that come to me for this purpose. I train them a completely different way. And, and it's just because of my own failures in trying to go be a backcountry hunter. Cause I'm like, I did the same thing. I read the campaigns backcountry book. I'm like, all right, I can do this. We get out in the backcountry for three or four days and you're trying to hunt you got to be in physical shape to do it and mentally tough. And if not, you're going to quit and you're going to go home because it's not for the faint of heart when you're back in there for three or four days and you're trying to stay for seven or eight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talk. Um, you, you kind of, you kind of touched on something that I think could be pretty valuable to guys. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you, you talked about like when you were kind of just decided you were going to get into it. Um, you know, there, there's that there's that hill there when someone sees a passion from the outside looking in, and they don't understand really anything about it. And and I I think the 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 key that I want you to touch on is just the fact that you, like, what made you decide to just walk into the bow rack or wherever and just jump into the middle of of kind of the group of guys that was doing this, so to speak. Um, because I, I think a lot of guys struggle taking that step right there, and they're just kind of asking themselves, like, "Well, I'd like to get into this, but I don't know how." Like, well, I I, th I think for me, it's like as a young man and where I came from, and I think a lot of guys that are that are getting into this sport or that are into hunting, I, it's anything as a man. We feel like like I'm reading this book, and I'm like, okay, like here I am. I'm 22 years old. I'm 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 poor. I I, I don't have many friends. I'm just a guy trying to raise a family, right? But I but I want to get into this bow hunting and I'm excited about it. But there's that, that step that at any pro shop and anywhere in the world, like you want to go in and you want to ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So we'll be right back after after this phone call gets taken off hold. Oh, Hello? hey, that was classic, Hello? man. You I there? don't know what happened there. Your phone put, just cut out. You got me? Yeah, we got put on hold with the hold music. That was awesome. Oh, well, I'm sure that's a good thing you pay that editor, right? <laughs> nope, I'm leaving that in, man. I, I do have an editor, but I'm I'm famous. I'm infamous, I guess, for just leaving stuff like that in. So I'm like, what the heck? I'm just talking. And I'm like, down. I'm like, I don't even think you could hear me right oh. now. <laughs> oh, that's classic. I, but I think I think the point where I was at though is like, we as human beings, we we and especially nowadays with social media and there's all this hype with everything and like, I think a lot of guys are just afraid to even get started, right? Like, there everybody. You might want to shoot a bow or you want to go hunting, but you got to take that step and you got to walk into that local pro shop and you got to say hi and you got to say, Hey, my name's Nick and I have no idea what I'm doing, but help. And I think a lot of people, men especially, because we don't want to ask people for help, right? We're men. We're like, we're tough in high school. We're taught to be like, we're this way and that. But all of a sudden here we are in our early twenties and we're going through life and we're doing this and we're afraid to go ask people for help. And I think where I, one of the biggest things and I think that really changed my life was walking into the bow rack and being like, Hey, I'm Nick. You know, I, I wasn't Nick the trainer dude then. I'm just this guy. I'm a little muscly guy because I've been working out my whole life, right? And I'm like, I want to shoot a bow. And here I go. But I think it's important to take that first step. And I think a lot of guys just fear that other people are going to judge them because they don't know what they're doing. And in our industry, in the hunting industry, it's just not the case. For 99% of the time, most other guys are going to stop doing what they're doing just to help you become better. Yeah, but in in that, fact, that, that, but, oh, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Well, I was just I was just going to make this. You know, you you mentioned the judgment, and and ironically, ironically, I would bet that the only time you're really going to get judged is when you aren't just honest with with uh, you know wh- what point you're at in the whole situation you know it's the guy that walks in and and doesn't know anything and acts and like he does or won't admit that he doesn't know and he's the one that probably would get judged um he's the one that's going to get judged because he walks in and he wants to act like he knows everything but the bow hunters in general and especially bow hunters who are willing to put a pack on their back and go walk for seven to ten days or go invest that kind of time and energy they're typically just good down-to-earth people right no matter where they come from or what they are, they're just good people. And so they're, they're willing to help out and give advice. But I just think that's a, that's a big, a big mistake and a big thing that most young men, women, kids that are wanting to get into it is you have to get out there. You have to go to your local pro shop. You have to walk in and be like, Hey, I've never done this before. I'm interested in doing it. Where do I start and start building relationships, you know, and with, and be open and don't, don't be afraid of getting that judge. And I think that's just a lot of things in life, even outside of hunting or even in my industry with the fitness, people are intimidated that I'm going to judge them because I'm fit and they're not. And I'm like, well, I'm 22 years deep into exercise. I know how long it takes, right? It's not going to happen overnight and I'm not going to judge you. I want to help you. But most people, we have that fear that that's what's going to happen. So I think that's the biggest thing for guys. If they are listening to, and they want to get into bow hunting, they want to get into something different, is take that chance. Go in, say hi to the guy at the local pro shop, introduce yourself, and and and, and ask questions, you know, learn. Yeah, you know, that's it's, it's an interesting thought that you brought up and that, you know, I've never really thought about before, but it's it, it does seem like um, people who have 
passions that are that are relatively difficult or super technical, the deeper that they get into them and the better that they get at them, um, the easier and and more patient they are with people who are just starting out. I guess if that makes sense. I mean, what what, what do you think that is? Just well, I think it's I think it's just because it's like t- take a guy like Cam. Like I know Cam on a personal level because I've became best friends with him over the last eight nine years. Right. But even still, hear people locally because he's Cam. Like they, they they're afraid to talk to him, or they don't they don't know if they should. But if Cam was here in my gym right now, and you walked in, and you were just a new bow hunter, and you just said, "Man, hey, it's nice to meet you. Do you got any tips?" Cam would sit down with you for twenty minutes and answer any questions you have because it's something he's passionate about. And I think the people that are not a hundred percent passionate about it, and we're dealing with that a lot in this industry right now. I think in all industries, but in hunting because it's what we're involved in. You've got a lot of people that are coming into it and they're doing it for social media status. They're doing it for more likes on their Instagram page. They're doing it because they're not doing it because they have a passion to be a, a bow hunter and they want to go put stocks on big giant mule deer and they don't, you know, they're doing it for other reasons. And those people are the people that are not going to spend the time to actually stop and talk to you because they're not even doing it for reasons in their own heart. They're doing it for a social status, which I think is where a lot of the confusion is coming in. There's a lot of that happening right now, and there's a lot of people that are not just going out and hunting for the reason that they originally got into hunting for was to be out in the woods and follow their dreams and their passions and explore it. They're doing it because they want to become famous or they want to get these likes or get these spots. Everybody's searching for sponsors right now. You know, Everybody's mm-hmm. like, I killed one deer and I want to give me a free bow. You know. Yeah. It's funny, I'm... Uh... We we do have some sponsors and uh, and the ones that I have I love but any more that usually come I'm I'm like trying to whittle them down <laughs> you know like yeah man I don't I don't want to be That's a part funny. of any more of that like I can't um you know where we're well, at we, but man what what a great what a great uh, you know kind of like a, a benchmark is is and I think what I interpret of what you're saying is like the more willing someone is to just give away information and content for free. It's like, yeah. you know, the, the more um, authentic and the more real they are because they understand like it's not. Yeah, man, what a what an interesting uh, what an interesting thought. Yeah. Well, I think it's so I think in my business, I spent the first 10 years of doing what I do. I didn't even know you could be a personal trainer like <laughs> until I was 25. I didn't even know it was a job. I like I started lifting at 17, but I didn't like I was just I didn't come from any life that was around that. I didn't know that someone could make a living doing what I do. And so like, but I, I probably gave away, you know, 10,000 hours of free information throughout my life before I ever made a dollar at it. But I didn't even know I wasn't even trying to make money at it. I just loved it so much that I wanted to share it with everybody. And the people that are the most passionate about it are going to do that. And I think that's when the reward comes in and people are like, well, how did you get to where you're at? Like in just in my own business with personal training. And I'm like, why? Well, I think it just happened because I was so passionate and I, and a lot of people they'll go to school and they get this education and they come out and they're like, I'm a personal trainer now. Mm-hmm. And then they want to charge a hundred dollars an hour for time. And I'm like, I, I don't think it works like that. I don't think that in life, I think that as you give away more, you're going to get back more, yeah. but people are so afraid to give because everyone wants to just get, get, get that no one's given anything and they're not getting that big return. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big Gary Gary Vaynerchuk fan, and as long as he uh, you know he's got a little bit of a potty mouth, but 
um, you know, his books, he usually keeps that out of. And so I like reading his books and listening to his books or whatever. And he, you know, he, he'll, he'll have these, these case studies or these individuals that call in or whatever. And, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, I've been whatever, whatever it is, let's say personal training. I, I've been personal training for four months and, uh, or, you know, and he's like four months, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, he, one that comes to mind is someone that came on the other day on this show and is like, well, I, I want to be like, what did he say? He's like, I want to be like Joe Rogan or, or even like, I think they yeah. said Oprah Winfrey. And he's like, yeah. he's like, <laughs> yeah. and you're 21. And he's like, yeah. they did that for 15 or 20 years before anyone really like knew what they Even were doing who they were. Yeah, or what they, yeah. who they were. hundred percent, hundred percent true. But so many, I think with social media these days and people that are like I'm 38 and people that are in their twenties, early twenties, teenagers, this younger generation, they've never lived without instant gratification. Yeah. Like you, you post a picture right now on your Instagram and you have 500 friends. Well, two people are going to like it. So you get instantly gratified right away. You get You get something back right away. You get a comment and that's how everybody's living nowadays. Right. And it's instant. Like it's on your phone. It's like, Oh, someone liked my post or someone liked what I had to say. And so you got this, this generation of humans that are, like getting things instantly, instantly, and no one has to work for anything anymore. So they just expect it to happen like that. I don't even think they know it's wrong, but right. You, you, you're my age. And I'm like the last age group of people to be without like go through middle school and high school without social media. And so you're like, when I wanted to call someone, you had to run to a payphone. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. Like, and then, and then you had one number to call like, Hey, is Jimmy home? No, he's out riding his bike. Crap. You're like, well, shoot, I'm never going to see Jimmy. There went my quarter. Know where Jimmy's yeah. at, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just a dip. It's, it's just times changing. And I think that, that a lot of people that, that are successful, like a Joe Rogan or a Oprah Rippy or a Cam, or, or campaigns or anybody there, they, they did put the time in, but no one's looking at all those years. They're not even paying attention to it because they're so focused on now, you know, and, the, and that's what they want. They want it now. And I think we're in hunting. That's going to be the bit that that's where you see people coming in and falling off right away. Is you know, as well as I do, that there ain't nothing quick that comes with being a successful bow hunter. Yeah. All right? You're going to, you're going to fail 10,000 times before you're going to kill some big mule deer buck. And then you're going to fail another 10,000 before you do it you know, year after year after year. It's not it's not just gonna happen for you. You gotta put the time in. That's what I love about it. It's not easy and you have to really put the time in to become successful at it. Yeah. How uh how have you seen uh lifting weights and bodybuilding uh specifically make you a better backcountry hunter? Uh bodybuilding in particular, I don't think the wit the style of training for bodybuilding didn't particularly make me better in the in the backcountry it probably actually made it a little worse for me just because of the way i trained and like my first backcountry bow hunt i was so afraid that that i wasn't going to get a leg day in that i went to the gym the night before and i did a heavy squat day and then i tore my achilles like two days into the hunt because my legs were so sore from the uh from from the day so i was out after like three days of backcountry bow hunting but i think the lifestyle that i lived with fitness and bodybuilding um gave me the discipline to be a better backcountry bow hunter. And as time's getting on, I'm getting better at being a hunter from just implementing. Cause to be a good bodybuilder, like, I mean, bow hunting's hard, but being a great bodybuilder is like, it, it's extremely difficult. Like there's not one single thing that's easy about dieting for months on end and training at that level and doing all those things. 
So the discipline that I had in bodybuilding has implemented over into my bow hunting. And as I've put as much focus on backcountry bow hunting as I did on bodybuilding, I've just slowly became better at year after year. I'm noticing that I'm just becoming a better hunter just from the more discipline and the time I'm putting into it. Nice. What, uh, you know, back to lifting weights a little bit specifically, like what, uh, what are some triggers or what is the trigger that you notice in yourself um, that you have to overcome when, you know, and, and, and maybe for you, you know, this, this is a question for 10 years ago when you were just kind of getting, getting uh, started in it or 15 or 20 years ago or whatever it's been, but yeah. what, what is, what are some of those triggers to look out for, um, you know, to keep yourself from falling into that? Oh, I'm not going to go to the gym today. And then all of a sudden I'm not going tomorrow. And then it's, you know, a downhill slope. Sure. Well, me personally, I don't know. Like, I mean, just to be honest, like I never, I never felt that because it was just always such a passion of mine, but within my job and what I do for a living, like all I do is work with people every day. Like I have, I've had 15 clients in here today already that I've trained and they're here because of that one reason. And what happens is, is people, they're not, they, everybody, everybody wants to be in shape, right? Like nobody wants to lift all these heavy weights. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, but nobody wants to lift all the heavy weights. That's exactly right. Huh? It boils down to time. It boils down to priorities, and it boils down to having a goal. You know, like people are good at things when we're disciplined and when we have a goal. And most people are just not very clear on the goal. Like most people get up and they're like, "I need to work out," or "I need to eat clean," or "I need to go do some cardio." or I should go do some cardio, or I should go work out. And what I try to teach people is, is we need to take these shoulds and we need to turn them into musts, right? I must go work out. I must eat clean. I must go to the gym. And what happens is, is having a goal, like when I sit down with any client, no matter who they are, I visualize a goal. When I sit down with a bow hunter and I'm like, okay, you want a bow hunt and you want to get in shape for it, what's the goal? Well, the goal is, is to kill an elk or the goal is to kill a deer. Well, what's really the goal? Like the goal is you want to be able to be out there for long enough to make that happen. So becoming very clear on your goal and setting up that goal and then creating the plan to achieve it. And that's where most people make the mistake is people think that they have to go to the gym six or seven days a week to do it. And so they overwhelm themselves with this idea that they have to do all this work that they don't even get started or they go for two days and then they quit. And so creating a goal and then creating a plan to get you to that goal, I think is the first step. We over, we overwhelm ourselves ourselves with the fact that we need to be perfect in everything that we do. And if we're not going to be perfect, then they just don't even try. Yeah. So they give up. Man, that's, that's like the epitome of myself right there. Like I, I've actually never read this book, um, but I've, I've heard it referenced, um, to me by, by enough people that I feel like I kind of understand the concept and that is, um, the compound effect, I think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and maybe you've read it and you can give some insight or whatever, but, um, you know, to me that the concept of that was like, you know, I'm the guy that'll wake up one day okay, it's Monday and I'm going to start running more this week and I'll go run a mile and then I'm signed up for a, a half marathon <laughs> the next week. Yeah, yeah that's know? the scene. Is that's it. That's what everybody does. Like, yeah. they're like, because, because that's just how our brain works as humans, but it's not the most effective way. Like, I legit take people, like if I was meeting with you for the first time and you're like, well, I've worked out, you know, maybe 
once a week or twice a week for the past three months, or I used to work out five days a week, I would legitimately start you on a three-day-a-week program, and that's all I would let you do for the first 30 days. Because we have to create that consistency in just you showing up, right? All right, now we're going to get up, and you're going to be at the gym at Monday at 5, and Wednesday at 5, and Friday at 5. But nothing's going to get in that way. Like, if you have something come up, it doesn't matter. You're going at 5, you'll be done at 6. Tell your friends you'll be done at 6, you'll be over there. But committing that time and once you can commit a small amount of time you can add in more but we all do that same thing we're like like i did it the other day like i'm even myself because i got into running since i've met cam and my bodybuilding show is going to be over here at the end of this month and i'm like i'm like oh yeah my bodybuilding show is going to be over and i ran one time over the last three months so maybe i'll do a 30k Mm. i'm like why did my brain even think like that like i'm not even ready to run five miles right now but we just, it's just how we, it's, it's just how we work, you know? And, but I, I know that it can't be like that or you won't be consistent. And then you just end up quitting over and over and over again. But the thing is, I don't really know you, but I got on your Instagram page and I looked and I'm like, okay, this guy likes to kill bucks <laughs> and he loves to hunt and whatever it took for you to kill those bucks, it took discipline leading up to season to be prepared for that. Whether that was scouting, shooting your bow preparation in your gear and you you did all of those things you didn't just walk out in the woods and fling an arrow at a giant buck and kill it and then post a picture right yeah yeah. you you took steps to make that happen and there was a lot of preparation involved to even be in a situation to be successful when you implement that same skill back into the fitness and back into your fitness life you will then become successful there yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and that, you know, that I I killed the buck last year that um was by I mean, he, he would make maybe Pope and Young obviously, but he, you know, he's not like a 200-inch deer. Um and that deer, I I would consider that deer 15 years in the making, you know. And yeah. and 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 it was it was a 15-year process and that's so when when I hear you say that, you know, I um what I hear you saying is, you know, the the problem I think sometimes that that I personally have is like you know, and, and, and Cam always says this, like, don't, if you don't like, if you don't like running, don't sign up for a, a run or a marathon, you know? And the, and the yeah. point, the point that he's trying to make is like, we have to fall in love with the process in order for it yeah. to work long, long term, you know? And that's absolutely, yeah, that's, that's a point you're trying to make is like, man, if, if, if you don't just learn to wake up every day and go to the gym, you know, and start with three days a week and then four days a week and then five and do that for months and create that habit. Then when it gets yep. really, when it gets really crappy, you know, a year, six months, two, two and a half years down the road. And you're like, oh, then you're going to, you're not going to have that habit ingrained in you where you just say, you know what, I know how to push through this. And I've, I've fallen in and, love and with that gonna, process. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing when you said that word, the process and no one like, particularly going through what I'm going through right now and I'm getting ready for a bodybuilding show and I eat and I'm more strict than 99% of the world on a diet, on a, on a certain eating plan and I don't vary from it. But it, the reason people don't ever get abs or don't ever look away they want to look is because they're not willing to endure the process, yeah. right? But to be successful at anything, you have to endure the process, but you also have to love the process, it, it, no one becomes a CEO of a company overnight. There was a process, but the people who become successful in it are people who love that process. They love the grind. They love the work. And most people, 
we want to post a picture, we want to get a like, and we want to move on and go post another one and get another like. And it, 99% of my workouts, like I post picture of my workout, I'm like, oh, I worked out today. Like yesterday, I posted a picture, but I worked out four times yesterday. Like I didn't post a picture every damn time I worked out, and I didn't post a picture every time I worked out over the last 20 years. It just seems like, oh, that guy's working out again. But you have to love that process about that to be to be successful at it. And that's where a lot of people do make that mistake is they, they don't love the process or they don't even know how to create the habit to make that process be something of their daily life, you know? You know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking as you are saying that, um, I had heard, you know, somebody – you know, who knows where you hear things nowadays because you're ingesting uh, information from so many places. But someone said, ironically, the amount of people who are out hiking or like getting out in the mountains nowadays is actually gone way up, even though like it doesn't make sense to me because like health and obesity is probably at an all time high. And I'm like, what the heck? And they said the sure. reason the reason is ironically because they just want it for the, the Instagram post. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's so much truth to that. That's why, like, I, I'm in the gym. I, I go to three different gyms. I have my own gym, but I work out in different gyms. So I'm in gyms, and I'm around hundreds of people all day long. And everybody, all they're doing is taking photos of themselves. Like, like I'm like, what's up with these kids posting, like, I just went 100 today. Like, what does this even mean? I'm, like, asking younger people because they're like, you know how on Instagram someone's like, you know, worked out today, went 100, ham. I'm like, what is this? Like you went a hundred, what is a hundred percent? Like you didn't even break a sweat. All right. You just, you just want to get likes, but that's the problem with the society is everything's based off of this instant gratification. And in and, and our industry and in hunting, it's happening all the time. People are killing animals and hunting so they can take a picture. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. And that's the sad part. And that's in my own world. Like that's what I, the, the hard time I have is like, I just have a passion to be out there. I love being in the wilderness. I love being out there. I love looking at these animals. I love harvesting them. I love eating them. I love everything about it. And there's people that are doing this just to try and build themselves up like they're somebody and they're missing the, the point of it, right? And it's just part of the young society and what's happening to people. Man, That's it, just my opinion. It circles all the way back to where we started with um, you know, pursuing things in life that you're actually passionate about. And I would, I would challenge people who are listening – um, and, and not that, not that this is even possible or that you'd have to do it, but, um, if social media all went away, let's just imagine that every, every single form of anyone knowing what you were doing in your life went away. Would you, would you still be doing you still do exactly yeah. what you're doing, how you're doing it? Like, would you have the same gear? Would you not have the same gear? Would you, you know, you know, it's, it's just a good benchmark no, that's, that's to always, good, that, that, that's, yeah. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent true, and I think that's a good that's a good way to look at it. And if you if you are listening and you did look at your life, and I like when you said that, I instantly thought about my own life, and I'm like, yeah, there's probably a few things I would cut out because I'm addicted to social media. Like I love getting on there and making a post, and right. oh, this pe- this person's engaged. It's it's fun. Like there's something great about it. But but what I do, you know, all the same stuff. That's a, that's a great question, and I think that. That's just something that all of us should be looking at. You know, would we still be going to the gym and would we still be, you know, hiking here or going through all this work or are we doing it just to get some gratification from everybody else's acceptance? Yeah. You, know? you know, and ironically, the, the very thing that we're after, which is that gratification or the likes or the followers, I believe that 
that organically that will just it will increase faster when you just forget about it you know like back to gary v he's always just like forget about the followers forget about the likes just be doing what you're doing and and follow your passion yourself and it'll and it'll 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 slowly come And and i truly believe that i mean i lived my whole life like that like my I was just mentoring a young man who just left and he's interested in being a personal trainer right before I met with you and just kind of mentoring him and talking to him. And he's like, well, you know, what do you do here? And I'm like, people just at this point in my business, they just come to me because I've built that name up and there's so much trust in my name of what I've built that business just comes. Even if it gets slow, I know it's going to pick back up because I've just created this, this thing but I did that all just by being myself. I never tried to be anybody that I wasn't. I was just myself. Mm-hmm. And that that's what creates success over time is just, again, we talked about it earlier, spending time being true to whoever you are and, and pursuing your own visions and your own dreams is what's ultimately going to make you the best you, whether that's a hunter or a bodybuilder or just a you just want to be better in your marriage or your family or your work. You have to have that, that guideline. That's awesome. Um, talk about your biggest failure on a hunt that comes to mind. My biggest failure on a hunt. My, I, I would say probably what I would consider one of my biggest failures were probably those first couple of years I tried to go backcountry bow hunting. And I really, what happened was, is I, because of the physical shape I was in, now I was in shape for bodybuilding, but not backcountry bow hunting and letting other people down. Like I got out there and after about three or four days for two years in a row, I physically and mentally gave up. Like I quit. I, I and I, I never quit anything in my life, but I couldn't mentally keep going. It was too hard for me. And I let down a couple other people that I was hunting with, you know, and we, we, we waited all year to go on a seven day backpacking trip. You know, we're going to take our week off of work and we're going to go hunting. And two years in a row, I did this and I let, I let my buddy down. And I, I would say that there was, was probably the biggest failure on a hunt for me. And it, and after the second year, it totally changed my mindset. And it was that following year that I ended up killing my first bull but I changed the way I trained. I changed my mindset the entire year on how I looked forward to that next year's hunt because I just wasn't prepared. I wasn't physically prepared and I wasn't mentally prepared to go live with a backpack on and, and sleep like that. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And I would, I would have to say that would, that is probably my biggest failure or disappointment in hunting. Um, and it, 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 it wouldn't be like missing an animal or, anything like that to me, it was that experience of letting some of my fellow friends down that I had to leave early because I wasn't mentally ready to go handle that. Man. And backcountry hunting, like it will, it will make or break friendships. Um, for that reason, you know, you really find out like, you know, and, and oh, yeah. ho- hopefully, hopefully those relationships, those guys that you let down, um, you know, they understood or they were, they were uh, compassionate with you or whatever. Um, but man, it's, yeah, they, they knew, I mean, they knew they, I mean, they they were both, both good, good friends of mine. And I'm like, I'm 170 pounds now. And I was 220 pounds. Like I was like, I was trying to be a bot of, you know, I was trying to become a pro bodybuilder. That was my main focus, but I also wanted to hunt. And they're like, let's try this backcountry hunting. Cam Haynes does it. Let's do it. You know, I just wasn't ready for it. And, and they, they, they weren't necessarily ready for it either, but they were in a better situation physically than I was. And so they, they were definitely compassionate about it and, and fine. And now it's funny because now I, 
I go out and I go on some pretty hardcore backcountry hunts with people that are, you know, in like the owner of the bow rack, Wayne Endicott. I mean, the guy's an animal, right? Like going, you spend 10 days on foot with him and you're going to know you've been somewhere. And, and, but, but it took going through that to get to where I was. If I didn't, if I hadn't have failed, if I hadn't have quit, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And not that I want to go through failure, but I think going through failure and feeling that how I felt letting other people down. Cause you know, if you're going to invite someone to go hunting with you on a backcountry bow hunt, it's not like back in the day, like you're talking about, like we're going to go pull up to a, a road in a truck and we might go on a day hike and then come back to camp at night. It's a whole different ball game and you have to be mentally and physically ready for it. Yeah. Well, and like, like you're, you know, the, the failure part, it's only a failure if you, uh, you know, if you quit or you don't learn from it, but, um, yeah. what, what, so what do you, what do you kind of tell yourself mentally, um, you know, to get through those times when you're struggling? I mean, any, any more, I, you know, I, 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 I don't really get into those places anymore because I'm just enjoying it so much, but, and, and I have, and I haven't done a lot of like solo type hunts, so I haven't had to go out there and kind of push it through by myself. I always have really good people around. But there's always times I spent seven days in Montana last year and never saw an elk. I never saw one elk in seven days of backcountry bow hunting in Montana. And I spent a lot of money to go on a tag there. We were hunting hard and hunting with awesome people. And there was days during that hunt, and I was like, what am I doing? I wanted to quit. But the desire, the passion to friggin' find a bull elk was so strong that I just kept going and kept moving forward. And I think that desire is what kept me going. And I still left that trip and I never got to put, set my eyes after seven days in Montana and we were living in the back country. Just didn't see an elk. Don't know why. Couldn't tell you why. There was elk sign everywhere. It just didn't happen. And there was every day I wanted to quit. Every day I just wanted to go home to my kids and my family. I'm like, what am I doing out here? Chasing around nothing, walking behind stinky dudes with backpacks on. Looking, looking at nothing but that desire to be successful and to harvest an animal for my family to eat for the year was just so great that it wasn't it wasn't allowing me to give up. You know, I knew I knew what I wanted, and from experiencing failure before and giving up before, I just knew that that was never going to be an option again. I was never going to feel that way again, so it just wasn't even an option. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned your uh, your little boys at home. What? Uh... What I mean, because because and, and this is something that I uh, you know I've had to get over too is just um, leaving family for a week or ten days or whatever. Um, yeah. How how do you kind of how did you learn to get um, past that uh, being away from your family for that long? Yeah, I haven't yet. I think <laughs> I think it's the un, I I think it's the unspoken thing that men don't talk about. Right? It's something that it's kind of funny you're bringing it up, but it, it's the it is the the hardest part. There's nothing harder to me. Like if I didn't have to worry, I could come back and not have a business or whatever, figure out how to make money again or lose a job. But like leaving your family, when you have a young family and you have a wife and like, and some guys would be like, oh, it's no big deal. But it, it, it wears you down after five or six days, right? Because we are passionate people and we have a passion for this, but our number one passion is our family. And leaving that and then going out there, you definitely question yourself and what you're doing and why you're doing it, especially when you're not seeing animals or you're not being successful and you're wondering what, because part of the reason you're doing it is for your family. Part of the reason you're doing it is so you can provide some meat for your family. That's, that's a big reason people are doing what we do. 
So I, I haven't figured it out yet, bro. Maybe you can give me a tip on how to figure that one out because I get about three or four days in and I start missing my family pretty much. You know, you're looking, you're hoping to come out of the woods for a day so you can take a shower and call home, check in, see how things are going. You know, and having a supportive family at home is huge. If you don't have a supportive system at the home front, you're not going to do very well making it on a 10-day backpacking trip being away from them. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm actually – I haven't had the, the uh, blessing of being a dad yet. Um, you know, and my and, – and frankly, my wife is – she's just rock solid. Um, but but I, I think and I believe the answer to your question maybe in my mind is um, – you know, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense that you have to leave your family um, for the, that seven or ten days to become stronger, so that when you come back, you can help them. But I think that's what's going on. Um, oh, absolutely! I believe that. Right? Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, just you just, become a better you become a better man in oh, the process. Just the, the the principles that someone picks up, and and I really don't care what it is, as long as it's something that's difficult, whether it's you know, maybe you're going on, I, I don't know, whitewater rafting or backpacking yeah. in general or just boat backcountry bow hunting. But the principles and the tenacity and the put, you know, the stick to itiveness and all the things, all the things that we learn while we're back there, you know, it, if you were just at home for that week, what, what would you be learning and growing yourself to be able to pass on to your boys, you know? And it's like, you know, yeah. it, it almost doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. Like I got to leave them to come back and be, you know, and, but, but man, you'll be able to look your kids in the eyes as they're growing up and say, listen, like, you know, things are going to get tough. This is how we get through hard things, you know, and because you've, you've lived it, um, through that one little thing. And I, I, I think that can be through a lot of things. I think that can be on the mountain. I think that can be, um, you know, personal mountains that we build with, with sins that Absolutely. we make in life and we have to go through and all that, you know, but, you know, how, how do you, it, it's tough to, tough to teach and be compassionate with, with kids, um, or anyone for that matter, if, you know, you haven't gone through it. So. No, it, it, it definitely is. And I think some of my greatest successes come from going through those and you do, you do appreciate your kids more and your family more when you go through that phase of missing them and experiencing them. But, but I think for me, like with having, cause I, I have three teenage daughters. I had three three children by the time I was 21 I had a daughter at 17 a daughter at 20 and a daughter at 21 and they're all pretty much grown now and now I have a new a new a wife and two new boys and the things I'm getting to do different with them is just simply amazing and 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 the reason by big some of my biggest reasons to be involved in this sport um, besides my own passions in it is is to take all my family out there and get them to experience. Cause there's, there's something magical about being on a mountain and you, and only so many people in the world are going to see some of the places that you and I feet footprints get to go. And without experiencing that and going through those failures and going through those nights and, and missing your family, like you're never going to be at a place where you're going to be able to share those with your family. And so those are some of the big reasons I do it is I want to be able to take my boys and, and we do, you know, we take, we, I, I spend as much time out in the wilderness as I can with, with my kids. My, my son, Calvin was nine months old and we went on an eight day backpacking trip. My wife carried him and, uh, I carried all of three of our gear for seven days and we went on a backpacking trip, you know, and we went out into the wilderness and, and hung out and we just, we, we get out there as much as we possibly can. Cause there's just something magical about being out there. 
what's what's maybe one or two things that you've learned um you know from from being a parent when you were a little bit younger to now having i, I don't want to call it a second chance um but you just yeah. learn as you go as oh, a parent it is, yeah 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 it kind, kind of is what are some things that you've you've learned that you do differently now the the, the couple couple number one things is is time and we take it for granted. I took it for granted. When I was young, I had I didn't have much money, so I had to work a lot. I had two, three jobs all the time. And if I could take it back, I would go back and I would just work one job. And then I would spend the rest of the time with those little girls because they're going to grow up. And they're going to become 20 and 18 and 16, just like mine are now. And you're never going to get those times back. And another thing going with time is I don't spend one night not laying down with my boys playing and reading stories and telling hunting stories. We lay down every night and we make up stories about hunting and just, but it's just spending time with them. Right. And I didn't get to do that a lot with my girls when I was younger and I did get some free time. I went to the gym and I worked out and I missed out on a lot when they were younger because of that, because I was tired. I didn't, I didn't know. No one taught me. Right. So the biggest thing is, 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 we all chase money and we're chasing work and we're chasing all these things. And at the end of the day, none of that stuff's matter more than spending time with those little people. Cause those little people become people. And when I walk home here in about 45 minutes, when I get off this phone with you and I go home, I'm going to go get those boys and, the, and they are going to run to me and they are going to be so excited to see me that nothing replaces that. There's not a love out there that's like that, but you as a person and as a parent, have to remember that these times are going to pass and you have to spend as much time with them as you can and, and enjoy it because it's, it's hard being a parent. Like there's nothing easy about it, but that time is definitely the biggest thing. It's the number one thing I would, if I could go back and do it all again, I would just keep being poor and I would work one job and I would spend, spend time with my daughters when they were young, hundred percent. Yeah. What's uh what's maybe a, a hunting tip or tactic or something, a trick that you uh, will teach your boys that you wish that you had known as you were kind of coming, starting out? Um, a hunting, I, I think, uh, you know, with that, I think the biggest thing is like being ethical. I think that, you know, there's not a lot of that going on out there right now. And I think that it's, and for me, there's so much emphasis on, um, antler size or big bucks or scoring or this or that. But I, I think one of the biggest things that I really want to want to teach my kids is, is the importance of, um, what the meat does for us and how blessed we are to be able to harvest the elk and have two or 300 pounds of quality meat to actually eat. And yeah, having a, a big six point and a 300 inch bull or whatever people are going after is awesome. But being able to bring back 300 pounds of organic meat, I think is probably one of the biggest things I want to instill in them that they don't get caught up in. And cause I'm sure by the time they're big enough to hunt social media, who even knows what's going to be right. And, having them not get cut up, caught up on trying to impress other people and do it because it's something they're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, the whole ethic thing, I mean, man, that's, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. And you just kind of, it is, it is, yeah, it is, man. You wonder, uh, you know, you see stuff every once in a while, something surfaces and 
and and you just know that you know we we can all do better myself included um you oh know, yeah there, yeah 100% there's there's things growing up that were just kind of you know still trickling down from my my grandpa or my dad's generation that that we yep. were we were doing you know nothing like crazy like we weren't poaching necessarily but yep. um you know maybe party hunting with multiple tags you know when i was yep. i i saw yep. that it happen it was normal that was just second nature, man. Grandpa didn't even think twice about it, and it was just no. And but, it was, but 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 I think back then, and that generation, that's how because it was about going and filling tags and bringing meat home, right? Yeah. And so it was like, okay, we got five tags, and there's five people here. We're going to fill these tags, and that was just a very common thing. But I think, and 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 a lot of those things do still trickle over. So yeah, it is a, it, it's something that it's important to me. I wanna I wanna make sure that they're they're going to follow the rules and the laws. And, and that's why I love wilderness hunting because wilderness hunting, there's only one way to make it happen. You got to get out on your feet and leave your truck. Right. And I just going to drive around and like go, you know, hunt an animal. I, I really, that's why I love being out in the wilderness. It's more than anything is there's, there's not many ways you can do it wrong back there. You have, to, and you have to learn to be good at it to become successful at it, and it's hard work. Yeah. Well, and, and think about this. I mean, it, it never. Every once in a while, it acts. It accidentally happens for guys driving a road. It, it does. I mean, I I can tell sure. you a couple of stories of some big big bucks. It never accidentally happens in the backcountry. <laughs> it just doesn't. No. No, it doesn't, and it, it can accidentally happen. And there's a guy who will shoot a big buck. You're exactly right. But if you're in the backcountry and you're on your feet and you're more than two or three miles away from your truck and you're at a trailhead or you're somewhere back in there, it, you're going you're going to have to be good or execute in a perfect situation to to harvest an animal. Yeah. Bottom line, and so and and there's something to be said about that, and that's I think that's why I love it, and that's why a lot of people are getting into it too. I think it's it's a growing sport. Cam Haynes, for one, I think he's totally changed the industry. Like, yeah, he's my buddy, and I love him, but he's changed the industry, and he's made backcountry hunting what it is today for 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 the majority of new people getting into it just because of what he did in his younger years and the way he did it and how he wrote about it and talked about it and got people fired up about it. Yeah. And if, you know, if you're out there and you're listening and, and you're, you're not into backcountry hunting yet, or you're thinking about getting into it, come, come and find out, man, you will, um, we, we would love to have you. You will learn, um, so many things. You'll learn perseverance. You'll learn, um, you know, how to be tough. Uh, you'll learn, yeah. you know, what's, you'll learn about yeah, you perspective. You'll learn all these things. Um, so just, just come and, and enjoy it. You'll love it. But man, Nick, this has been great. I, uh, you know, I, I, there's been something running through my mind this morning, uh, you know, as I kind of keep doing these episodes and, and that is like what the definition of this podcast is. Um, you know, it has, yeah, a, yeah. it has a name and I, I hope that that name kind of, um, alludes to what the definition of the podcast is a little bit, but I, I still don't know exactly. It's really just me having these cool sure. conversations, but, but really like the definition of this podcast is this conversation that we've had today. Like I just, um, man, getting on the phone with guys like you and just kind of hashing out whatever it is, life, backcountry hunting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pers- just talking. Per- Enjoy. Yeah, for per- sure. perseverance and just pushing through and we're all in this together. Um, you know, something that, that I've never really mentioned on here is, um, you know, if, if, if you are going through hard times, um, there's, there's guys like me or Nick or, um, whoever it is on your social media platform or whatever, reach, reach out to, um, and, and don't be afraid to get help. Um, you know, there's, there's, 
Yeah. Yep. There's always, you know, we, we didn't get into your background or whatever, um, but I, I know that you feel the same way. Um, you know, there's always someone out there that's willing to help and, and there's, um, there's always an option. Don't, uh, you know, don't, don't go through life in a bad place just because you're uh, not willing to reach out and ask for help. So. No, absolutely. And I think that, that, uh, you know, like, you know, when you, when you messaged and said, Hey, let's do this podcast. I didn't really know exactly what we were going to talk about, but I just love like, just in general, like, I think getting that point across that, you know, that's, that's what, this is what happens out in the wilderness too. You get two buddies out in the wilderness alone and this is the stuff you're talking about, right? Yeah. It's not like you're chasing big bucks all day long. <laughs> you're spending most of the day like discussing life, wife, kids, family, things you're going through and, and how do we do that together? And that's what I love about social media. There's things I don't like about it, but I do love and it's that what you just said. If, if, if you are going through some times and you need, there's someone in your platform, someone in your social media that's been there and that has gone through it and that is just waiting for you to ask for help. So don't be afraid to reach out there, ask for tips, find people who are interested in it. If you're new to the sport and you want to learn about it and just get out there and, and have fun and, and more than anything, just enjoy the process. Yeah. So I sure. definitely, I appreciate you, uh, contacting me and getting a hold of me. And I had a great time getting to talk to you and getting to know you a little bit. So well, that was awesome. Well, good. Cause it's not over. Just kidding. I, I just do like this little fire round. These are like, yes, no oh. little quick questions. So, oh, and then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get you out of here, but, um, elk, yeah. elk mule deer or antelope for you. Elk. Elk all the way. Do you guys, uh, what about fi- fixed blade or mechanical? I don't know the rules in Oregon. Uh, uh, I've only shot fixed because they don't allow mechanical. So I've never killed anything with the mechanical. So I would just say fixed. That's right. Oregon and I think Idaho is still that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your dream hunt? Uh, my, ooh, my dream hunt. I don't know. I, I love elk. Like, I, I, it's hard. Like, I would like to go on maybe a grizzly bear hunt or a big moose hunt. But hunting bull elk in September still to this day, like, that nothing else makes me more excited at this point in my life. I would no, I have to lie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that. At some point in my life, I want to go. I want to harvest a big mule deer, and I want to take some time and learn how to do it. And I just haven't. I'm so focused in September on hunting um, elk that I don't spend any time hunting bucks. But I would, I, I would like to 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 learn to become a great mule deer hunter. That at some point in my life. But elk is still. It, it just went, I just love, I love bugling bulls, man. It just does something for me. What's, uh, if you could only hunt one state the rest of your life, what would you, what would you pick? Uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. And I know you're a bow hunter, um, but it, let's say you were building a, uh, backcountry rifle right now. What caliber would you build it in? I would have no idea. <laughs> I've never, I don't, I don't know anything about like, I've actually bought a rifle for the first time in my life last year and I bought a Remington seven. 7 mm, yep. and uh, I've been hunting, uh, bear hunting with it a little bit. Uh, I had a bear in, in range, didn't shoot, was not 100% confident, but I've never shot. I've only only bow hunted, so I don't. I'm not very familiar with with rifle hunting. I'm just a pretty hardcore bow hunter only type guy. That 7 mm would do the trick, man. We'll consider that your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. What's uh, what's your favorite backcountry food item? My backcountry food item would be uh, Mountain House chicken and rice. Just the the classic staple, man. 
Oh man, what's what's better than some? I mean, I I'll eat it at home right now if I could, except I'm on a stupid diet. But I love me some chicken and rice. <laughs> and then last one that I just recently added. In fact, you're the first one I'm going to ask you this, and I, I you've already alluded, so I know the answer. But a 350 bowl or a 200 inch buck? I would I, ooh, I I would say I would say right now I would rather shoot a 200. I mean I love I I love the elk and I want to shoot a big bull but I've killed four or five bulls not a 350 bull not even a 300 bull but a 200 inch mule deer has got is I've been dreaming about him right See, now. That's what I get for yeah. assuming. Just when I think I got you figured out, you throw a curveball. Well, that's because and that's I, why love I love the it. elk, right? But I'm not I'm not stuck <laughs> on just shooting a big elk. But I would love like. I'm pretty fascinated about those mule deer. I grew up in mule deer country in Utah, so I've seen a lot of mule deer. And and there's just there people. Not everybody gets to kill a mule deer. They're hard to hunt, man. They're a you can you can get lucky in the back country and bugle in a big old bull and put an arrow in it, but you're not bugling in no big old 200 inch mule deer. Yep, you're gonna earn it. Okay, where <laughs> yeah, where can uh, where can people find you? Your uh, uh, just- any. Instagram. Yeah, the best the best place is on just yeah Instagram. Just look up Nick the Trainer Dude. There's only one Nick the Trainer Dude in the whole world. That's me. So <laughs> you can uh, always email at trainerdude at hotmail dot com if you have any fitness questions or anything like that. I work with bow hunters and rifle hunters and people who are into hunting all over the country actually, and I offer online training for them and I get them ready for hunts. And uh, so if you have any questions into fitness or getting into uh, the right shape for the hunt that's coming up, I can definitely get you going in the right direction. But the best place, get a hold of me on Instagram at Nick the Trainer Dude and send me a direct message if you have any questions. Perfect. Nick, thanks for coming on. The last thing I want to do is uh, give you credit. Give you credit for, first of all, just being willing to jump on the horn with me, uh, not really knowing me. So I appreciate that. And then um, the other thing is just being willing to share your story of, um, you know, you you went from this is something I might be interested in to you know, here I am, I'm killing elk in the backcountry and sharing your story with us. Um, and then the last thing, probably the most important thing I want to give you credit for is, you know, I've, I've followed your social media feed for quite a while and you're just, you're a family man through and through. And my listeners know that, uh, you know, aside from maybe being a follower of Christ, uh, and knowing that you're, you have a heavenly father, um, being yeah. a fa- being a family man's, I, I give the utmost respect. So Appreciate you coming well, on I, and, and being a part of this. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely appreciate you, man. I'm gl- glad to get to know you a little bit, and I wish you nothing but success in the future, and uh, uh, good luck hunting out there, okay? Okay, last question, man, and then you're gone. Why do you why do you hunt the backcountry? Why do I hunt the backcountry? I hunt the backcountry because there is I like to do things that are very difficult, and they reap the biggest reward. And like Cameron Haynes says, the bigger the the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. And hunting the backcountry is going to challenge you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And when you stick it out and you follow through with it, the there's no greater reward. Whether there's no success with bringing an animal home or not, you you learn more about yourself in seven days in the wilderness than you were anywhere else in the world. That's why I go. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.